the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. My name is Marcus Virta and I manage a small business here in Whatcom County called Western Solar. Every day I see firsthand the impact good jobs have on the lives of people. Sharon Shoemake is an economist and a mom who brings practical, real-life experience to the state Senate. I became an economist to help people. Now I'm running for state Senate to fix our broken housing market, create jobs, lower taxes on working people, and build an economy that works for everyone. Paid for by People for Sharon, Democrat. Put a frog in boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As veterans, we tell ourselves the lie that we can handle anything. We let the water boil. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. There is a way to do this, folks. There's hope for this water crisis that we face here in the Nooksack River Basin, here in Whatcom County. And that's kind of been the feeling, and I think part of the problem, is some people feel like it's hopeless. Um, but it's not, it's not going to be easy. But we can come together as a community and, and solve this. There are real solutions. We've talked so much about this in the past couple of years on the program. But we're, we're getting more detail as we work on this. Um, about how this has happened elsewhere. And it turns out we don't need to reinvent the wheel here in in the Nooksack Basin. There are other places that have done this, and they've had various levels of success. And while the specifics of their situation may not exactly align with what we have here, the spirit of what they're doing, the structure, the framework that they're following is totally doable here. We've just got to do it. Um, and, and unfortunately, the path that will work and has been proven to work is not the path that the state has us on, the State Department of Ecology has us on. Uh, but what is, is the path? Welcome to The Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here on your Saturday morning on KGMI. Of course, this issue is very important to the farming community, but it's important to everyone else here in the Nooksack Basin, our local tribes who rely on the fisheries, um, industry, homes, our cities, you name it. Everybody is connected to water. Everyone has a stake here in solving our water management crisis. As we've explained here on the show uh, many times, 
It's not too much water, as we saw in in last November um, exclusively. It's not too little water, as we often see at this time of year. It's both. And there there's a lot of potential here because of that. Joining me right now with Somek Simmons and Dunn uh, is... Paul Simmons, he's been involved in these kinds of situations around the West and beyond for a long time. He also works with Ramsey Cruff, who we've had here on the program talking about this. She came out for a visit a few months ago back in May to talk about this, and she's put together a a memo that details how we can actually proceed here. Paul, thanks for being here this morning and explain. Other places have done this and, and made it through, and it can work. What, what's, the, what's the right way to go about tackling what we have here? Okay, I appreciate that, and thank you for having me, Dylan. Um, so uh, just for a little further context, I'm, uh, I am a water lawyer, an environmental lawyer, and have practiced in uh, Western states uh, generally, mostly California, but a whole lot in Oregon as well, and and done work on um, Sacramento, San Joaquin, Truckee River, which is California, Nevada, coastal streams uh, like the Santa Clara and Salinas, and and especially Klamath River in, in yeah. Oregon and California, where I've done a lot of work. I think everyone here is Klamath, and they know you're talking about water yeah, issues when that you, comes Yeah, you don't up. want to get it on you because you can't get it off. But, yeah. Um, the, um, and, and I just want to say, it too, that I don't, I don't presume to be the leading expert on, on the Nooksack Basin, and uh, but I, I don't uh, presume to know what, what the best solution is, but I know there is one. And I think you set this up really well by talking about each basin being unique and, and there being um, common elements, um, big picture, that go into effective solutions when people work together to do that. So, and, and largely from a Klamath experience, I, I, I've seen some highs and I've seen some lows, and I, I feel like I've learned a bit from, from that. And um, so in terms of, uh, you know, how, how, how does it happen and can it get done, one of the things I will say is um, that, and this sounds very basic, and, and I, I'm not a, um, I'm not really t- typically accused of being a touchy feely guy, but <laughs> you know, getting yeah. into these kinds of issues and actually dealing with them, it's uh, it's all about relationships and trust, and that's 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 where you start. <laughs> and, yeah. and I used to hear it all the time. Oh, it's all about relationships, and I would say, Yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. <laughs> no, it's all about really. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's all about relationships, and um, y- y- in learning about what um, all the communities and all the resource uh, reliant communities need, and, and and actually understanding it, and it is. Um, Really interesting and amazing. It doesn't happen overnight. That um, you, you sort of take there in a successful settlement, you take on um, an understanding and a perspective where suddenly you find yourself wanting what the other community wants, and and it becomes important to you both because you understand it and because you've sort of committed to this um, relationship to try to get your needs met together. Um, and so. In the world of water, you know, there's all the jokes about whiskey and all that, but there is quite a tendency, especially in a modern, complicated world, to um, to elevate, you know, just sort of winning over over everything else. Right. And winning is 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 in in water is just not. Well, that's not the same thing as succeeding Mm -hmm. or succeeding for your community. So. 
you know, if you need, depending on what, what you care about, you need to get, you need good water quality. You may need passage. You may need habitat. You may need drainage, you, you know, various things. And an adjudication can't do a- any of those things for you. It's like, what, what do you want at the end? And, you know, I, if people can, can get together and, and understand each other, they, they come to find that they basically want the same things. You know, they want to make a good living for their families and they, right. you know, they want their kids to come home and, and when, they're, when, when they're out of school. And so once you understand that, um, you can also start to feel it, the, the sort of political power of collaboration for what your needs are. Mm. And political power um, tends to attract things like political support and, and funding. Um, all of the water settlements involve water, but I don't know of a single one that doesn't involve money. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it involves money to do things that need to get done to get people to where they want to go and need to be as a, um, you know, as a long-term matter. So um, that, that sort of focusing on, you know, what do I need not what the other person is getting, right? You know, the interest-based approach to this stuff is just essential. And 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 I say, you know, our, one of our slogans and the one I was involved in is, you know, I'm, I'm going to come to church with you, and then you're going to come to church with me. And in my experience, there are people that I used to not really know, but um, I just knew their name, and I yeah. and I didn't and I didn't think I liked them, right? You know, I've I've been to their house. You know, I consider them close friends. And so, um, and you know, you all have a, a model just down south in Yakima where you've seen this kind of collaboration, and I bet any of them would tell you the same thing, that there's this um, unbelievable power <laughs> that well, you yeah. get by and, and that's collaboration. Been in, that's been in the news just this week, uh, New York Times uh, covering what happened in Yakima. They're, of course, looking at other places with huge water crises, um, like what we see in Colorado and California and elsewhere, places that genu- genuinely, uh, unlike here, don't have enough water to go around and they've got to hash it out. We have enough water. It's just how exactly. it's managed. <laughs> exactly. and, and as a side note, I mean, you talk about working in the Klamath, I think about, we, and we've had him uh, on the program here, um, uh, Dan Keppen of Family Farm Alliance said, said the same sure. thing. And I remember when he was out here visiting, he's like, my goodness you guys you have water like you can <laughs> you guys can fix this he was right. so jealous of our situation he's like it's again it's not going to be easy you've got to build trust you got to he's seeing the same things that you're saying but he's like you have in in some ways so much more to work with than what we do in these other places that sadly interestingly have made it in some ways politically further and legally further than we have so far um, and again, we're talking with with Paul Simmons right now of So Much Simmons and Dunn. Um, he is a, a leading water attorney. Well, I, I guess I should say, and this is the Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. I should explain what we're talking about is an Indian water rights settlement, a negotiated settlement process, as opposed to a court-led uh, water rights adjudication that f- solely focuses on litigation as the state wants to do um th- this is a-, a process that is in contrast in that it-, it brings people together to find commonality and common solutions rather than an adversarial process uh, you know i'm i know i'm way oversimplifying that but explain okay what do we need to be doing here paul to go down this road that is 
the right road and and it's been proven in other places yeah i think the affected communities it's it's a grassroots thing the affected communities I, i'm not going to tell anyone what's best for them or what what they should do but um if if, if there's a, a common goal to have long-term long-term stability for their own communities they have to talk, talk to one another about what that means and what that looks like and and start this kind of relationship building or, or growth I don't, I don't know what the situation is and 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 trust building and and it's and it really is that simple and th- this doesn't happen overnight uh, but you can find yourselves doing things incrementally like you you go to some environmental group and say hey I could really use support for this in the state legislature. It doesn't seem like it hurts you, but it it would help push me over the the goal line politically. Right. Could you do that? And I'll have one for you later or whatever. And suddenly you say, "Oh, I can I can work with these people. I can help them get things that they need." And it doesn't necessarily hurt me, or I can figure out a way that I can live with what they want. Right. And, you, and you build on that. And it, it takes some pretty courageous um, local leadership too, because um, it's hard not to have. Um, People that you're trying to work for, you know, doubt whether that's the right way to go, and there are many, many opinions, but it is that simple. And I think, too, that if you can get an initial degree of um, buy-in and support and championing from, um, let's say, congressional leaders, yeah, we want you to get this done. We'll we'll be there for you when you get to the finish line. Let us know how we can help you move this forward. That's even further incentive to help people understand and and I just go back to what I said about the the political power of collaboration. I you know I've been in situations where um, when I was working for irrigation interests, you know, I'd walk into an office in Washington D.C. and you know you walk out and you see somebody else who's there to tell them the exact exact opposite of what I just told. Them. Right. <laughs> and then, right. but if you walk into a congressional office together with farmers and tribes, they will. They will roll out the red carpet and they'll say, what can I do for you? That's what Both we need to do. Uh, and that brings me back to the point of money, uh, like you brought up earlier. Honestly, solving our water management crisis here in the Nooksack Basin, everybody knows it. It's going to take money. It's going to take a lot of it. And the flooding disaster that we had here last November really underscored that in a tragic way. Uh, but there are so many more facets to it beyond the flooding and also salmon recovery, all of these things that have to factor in as well as supplying our communities and our local food production and farming. But again, there's a process that can do it. And there are dollars out there to fund these things, um, particularly just within what the last within the last year. Um, yeah. Right. In, in the infrastructure bill. Talk about, you know, what's available and, and really also, I, I, from what I understand, and, and please confirm this for me, but if we're locked in just an adversarial, uh, you know, litigatory process, most of, of those millions, if not billions of dollars uh, suddenly become unavailable. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, there's there's scary amounts of money out there to do things that 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 can help um, people. And, and, you know, separate and apart from dollars that have been recently appropriated or authorized for appropriation – it's typical in in any tribal settlements that there be a, you know a settlement legislation, and there are certain funds set aside for 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 settlements with tribes. So you know if you go through the laundry list, going back decades, 
several decades of tribal settlements, there's typically a piece of federal legislation or typically, not universally, um, funding to do this or that. And parties have learned, like, oh, I can't just say, okay, I agree, this person should get that. I mean, there's, you, can, you can be sophisticated with these settlements and say, okay, well, you know, you'll have this certainty or this reliability that you care about. But before that happens, you know, X has to happen. And, and people have been doing that for years and, and they're very capable and sophisticated people um, in the private world and in the Department of Justice, frankly, that, that are the trustee for tribes in these negotiations as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people hear what we've been saying um, from the farming community here as we've gotten ourselves educated educated on this and, and pursued, okay, what can we, what is the proper way of doing this? What can we really do to move the needle here? They hear us saying this, and, and I think one of the things, probably one of the gut reactions, and I, I don't blame folks for this. I, I had this gut reaction initially as well. Is like, you start thinking about the real things that need to be done. You're thinking, how are we ever going to pay for this? You know, that's, this is too huge. It, it's right. inconceivable how big some of these things could be. Yet that is actually a reality with the kinds of money that that you're saying is available. Absolutely. Um, and and as I say, the the money you know flows towards you know places of political favor. It's that simple, yeah. and that's the way it should be as well. And I, um, yeah, and so the things that need to be done, you know, uh, I know I understand you have a flood problem in, in, like in a big way. Yep. I don't know how it's sol- how it can possibly be solved. The, I mean, it's, I'm ignorant to that, but yeah. I guarantee you, a court can't do it. Yeah. And 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 similarly with you know any kind of thing you want to talk about, that's that's just the way that's just the nature of the beast. And you know on the subject of the adjudication again, I don't know enough to tell anybody what's right, but I I do know that the successful settlements like this, you know, you just you can't do them when you're at each other's throats. I do know that you know sometimes lawyers will say, hey, you know, you can litigate and still settle at the same time. You know, people settle on the courthouse steps all the time, but this is just different. <laughs> it's not somebody suing for money, and you split the difference on the courthouse steps, yeah, and then you no. go off on your way. This transactional sort of thing. It's this is this so is building much, this yeah. is building something together, and and def- and defining how you're going to keep it together, and that takes this um, a lot of work. And well, I, uh, I it's, it's, it's harder than litigating in a way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I know some folks here in our community and maybe elsewhere, too, that support the path forward that the state has chosen to support so far. And it's interesting to hear them now. You know, the state is talking more and more about finding solutions and, and working together. And we're, we're saying, yes, that's what we want to do. We don't want to just meet you in court. Nobody's going to win. It's a zero-sum game. Um, but with that path... Some people have said, oh, you know, you you folks there in the farming community, you're just trying to drum up opposition to this because you want to protect the um, status quo. Uh, You don't uh, really want to solve the issue. You know, you don't want to deal with some of these other difficult issues. And what you're calling for is a big kind of kumbaya sort of deal. Um, who knows if it would really work? It can't bring legal certainty. That's one of the total misnomers that's been pressed, you know, pushed about this. Say, basically, the upshot is they're saying farmers have an ulterior motive not to, to do anything here when that couldn't be further from the truth. And I think what's often leveraged in, in, in that false narrative is the fact that people aren't aware of this other path 
that has been so much more successful and so much more used. And so for me even to learn about this, it's been super encouraging to say there is a pathway here. We can do this. This isn't just kumbaya. This is for real. And this is actually what we need to do. Yeah, no, any any farmer in, in the Western United States or any, any any leadership in the agricultural community that doesn't understand that they've got challenging situation, complicated situation to deal with that deals with environmental issues and everything else, no matter what, you know, it just isn't paying attention. And so for for folks, if I'm in those shoes, I say this is an opportunity, you know, right, yeah. right now we all have this sort of uh, more crossroads, so to speak, and it's like, Okay, we're just going to fight over who wins the water fight, or are we going to try to solve problems? So, where does our energy need to be focused? What, how do we keep our eye on the ball here and, and not be distracted? Well, um, I would certainly, you know, want to be engaged with. I would want to have this kind of conversation with with everyone I could. And again, I just you can't tell anybody what to do, but yeah. I, I think you have to talk to people about what you want and what you need. And say how can we how can we help one another get those things that we want and need and can we can we um, can, can we start signaling that we want to work in that sort of fashion in order to maybe create some space and if it fails falls on its face that's what then that's what happened but mm-hmm. if, if you're if you're talking about people of goodwill with the types of problems that I do know about up there I I don't I I wouldn't predict that'll fail and. There's um, there's very little to be lost by making a very, very strong effort to get it done and a whole lot to be gained. What can our, our local leaders and even our state leaders here be doing to encourage this kind of proactive and positive approach? Well, I think just that, encouraging it, you know, and frankly, for the kinds of reasons that, that I – that, that we've been talking about, that to, to recognize that um, – the best long-term approach for stability and strength for the communities and resiliency is to solve their problems together and to be mutually supportive uh, and, and get in that kind of role. And and people in polit- positions of political power can signal that they support that approach and they'll continue to support that um, when and as needed. Yeah. Well, we need to start seeing that here. Um if this has a chance at all, and this sounds like what we absolutely have to do. Uh, Paul Simmons with Somic Simmons and Dunn, uh, a leading water rights attorney, um, been somewhat plugged into this case, also a colleague of Ramsey Krupp, who we've had here on the program as well, and, and who is working very closely on what's happening here in Whatcom County. By the way, Ramsey, I, I didn't know this about her initially, and I didn't introduce her this way when I had her on the program a few months ago. She's a former um, assistant solicitor for the Department of Interiors, and she's been very, you know, involved at a very high level uh, of the federal government working on these kinds of cases in other parts of the country. She is an expert. Paul is an expert. These are legit people. This is not just, again, making up something to try to stall the whole process. This is a bona fide effort to really take this where our community needs to go. Um, all that being said, Paul, thank you for, t- for taking the time to chat with us here on the program this morning. Okay. Thanks so much for having me. The Lummy Bay Market at Exit 260 is where you'll find more in the store. You'll find more in the store because there's so much store. Almost 10,000 square feet. And the Lummy Bay Market's 
stocks almost everything you need for on and off the road. You'll find the best value on gas and diesel along the way with more than you would expect out of a convenience store. There's a liquor department featuring a great selection of your favorite competitively priced spirits and fine mixers. And of course, you'll want to check out the huge selection of cold beer in their massive beer cave. Don't feel like cooking dinner? The Pizza Nini Express at Lummy Bay Market is serving up fresh made-to-order pizza. And Skipper's is where you'll find tasty fish and chips along with their famous clam chowder, satisfying the hungriest of appetites. Make the Lummy Bay Market your first or last stop of the day for fuel, food, and more. The Lummy Bay Market, just off I-5 at exit 260 on Rural Avenue. Open 24 hours, seven days a week. Lummy Bay Market, where there's more in the store. If you're a business owner, property manager, or developer, Columbia Fire is your true one-stop shop for fire sprinkler installation, testing, and repairs. Hi, I'm Marty Boonstra from Columbia Fire, and we've protected property and lives in our great state for over 35 years. You name it, we've done it. Schools, office buildings, industrial, even residential. And if it's urgent, Columbia Fire can schedule you right away. For fire sprinkler installation, testing, and repair, go to ColumbiaFire.net. That's ColumbiaFire.net. You have job openings. We have HireMeWa.com. HireMeWA.com is Cascade Radio Group's new hyper-local job board. It's free and easy to use. Just upload your openings today. Plus, job seekers can post resumes, too. Through the power of radio, we'll make HireMeWa.com the go-to job board in Northwest Washington. Tell your friends, your manager, your favorite local business. HireMeWA.com is live now and free to post. Go to HireMeWA.com. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city. But sometimes, things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. A properly operating furnace will guarantee that you stay comfortable as the seasons change. Contact West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electric for a system inspection today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. What do we really need here in Whatcom County to solve our water crisis? It turns out, and we talked about this uh, last week on the program as well, other places have, have figured out problems like what we face here. In fact, they, they, they've figured out and come up with solutions with probably you know less water to work with um so to speak and and, and you know f- fewer of of the things that we are blessed with here the natural resources that we have here in Whatcom County in the Nooksack Basin yet we continue to have a crisis here of flooding on one hand um drought or at least not enough water whether it's you know classified technically as drought or not um in in the late summertime 
And so what are we going to do? We, we have to protect human lives from flooding. We have to protect fish from low water. We have to keep local farming in our community. I think we all agree on these things. But what is the path to do that? We don't have to reinvent it. As we found out last week, uh, talking with Paul Simmons here on The Farming Show. Dylan Oncoop with you here on KGMI. Joining me now with the Family Farm Alliance, their executive director. He's down in California. We've had him on the program before, and he paid us a visit here earlier in the year. Dan Keppen. Um, Dan, the New York Times actually some big national coverage for a similar process in some ways that we need to follow here that happened just right over the Cascades from us in the Yakima Basin. Um, And again, that, that whole story is kind of shows us what we shouldn't do and what we should do. Welcome to the show and, and talk about this coverage recently in the New York Times. Yeah, well, hi, Dylan. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, so really uh, a great story. Uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, just you know, in the West, uh, we struggle to get sort of uh, the good stories that are that are told. Right. Um, it's always a, a lot more of a negative slant, and and so um, we were pleased to see that article because uh, you know Urban Everhart and the irrigators up there, Kittitas and the Yakima Basin, are are members of our organization, and. Uh, you know, we oftentimes point to the Yakima uh, and their integrated plan as, as a template for success that could be used in other places. And so that article was interesting because I think it sort of showed what, what has to happen for that to occur. And, and what it means is, you know, everybody has to, first of all, get together and, and, and develop a level of trust where they're comfortable with talking with one another. And then ultimately, usually, too, when you have complicated resource issues, it means that everybody's going to have to give something up for the benefit of the overall, you know, end solution in the community. And, and that's what they did. And I think the, the best part about that article was talking about how those relationships developed. You know, it's always tough at first, but they, they stuck with it. And, uh, and like I said, now that that, that particular uh, effort is something we point to uh, as something that can be used as a template for success in other parts of the West. Yeah, but places with really major issues to deal with, like the Colorado River and you're based there in the Klamath Basin in in Mm -hmm. southwest Oregon and and northern California. You guys have been through the ringer on on these kinds of issues as well and have some cautionary tales of what does and doesn't work. Um, That's the whole question here. What is the right process to figure out this big stuff? Natural resources, uh, farming, the future even of, of human communities as well as protecting and restoring salmon runs and fish it, 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 there's so much to it and i think we need to all start listening to each other and and finding out doing our research of what's going on elsewhere rather than feeling like we're all on our own and that's often the sense i get here locally in the nooksack basin people feel like well we just got to kind of go with uh, what somebody else said we don't you know th- this must be the way to go because uh we we've never experienced anything else well if you step back you can see other places have been through this this isn't unique per se that's right and and you know you mentioned colorado river basin um I've been meeting with a lot of the Colorado River Basin interests here in the last week, and I believe the the general manager of Denver Water, Jim Lockhead, was quoted in that article uh, where he said, well, you know, what they've done in the Yakima, uh, it, you know, it's, it would be hard to, you know, duplicate that in the, in the Colorado River watershed because you're dealing with seven states and multiple tribes yeah. in another country. Maybe he has a point there, right? But the important thing is, 
how did that uh, specific uh, uh, alliance develop in the Yakima Basin? And it's all about relationships. Yeah. And the article did a good job talking about that. It's the same thing that happened in the Klamath Basin where Paul Simmons, your, your earlier guest last week, um, was, you know, the general counsel for the local water users in the Klamath Basin. And, uh, you know, they sat down ultimately with uh, three other tribes, state of California, state of Oregon, the federal government. Uh, multiple conservation groups, uh, other irrigators outside of the federal project. And uh, it wasn't easy at first. It actually took a couple years to sort of um, get the trust between all the various entities. And then they sat down and, and hashed out uh, a two settlement agreements, three settlement agreements, actually, that um, would be in place today if, uh, if Congress had passed them. But there was uh, tough to get full support in the Congress. And by 2015, all the parties were, you know, they had the option to take an off ramp um, uh, if Congress hadn't passed that thing. And that's what folks did, unfortunately. And now, you know, we're back to a situation in the Klamath Basin where uh, the water users are, are struggling every year to get water. And there's a lot of tension, and a lot of litigation. Those things weren't there when everybody was working together. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the, the folks in Yakima Basin, fortunately, were able to take it through to the end. And, and now they've got, you know hundreds of millions of dollars coming in to do projects that uh, sort of help all the interests and uh, and they're getting great results and they have great relationships. Sadly, I, I think it's, it's those hundreds of millions of dollars that we're going to need here. Um, maybe not all at the same time, but that, that's the daunting part. And I think that's the part that's kept a lot of people feeling like, can we, especially with some of the flooding problems that we've experienced here, how, right. how, how do we ever deal with that? How would we, how would we ever pay? It just seems so... You know, the, the possible solutions for that seem so grandiose. They seem outside the realm of possibility. Yet when you look at the recent infrastructure bill, and I know you and I have talked about this before, there is money there, yes. but that money doesn't go to people who are fighting each other in court. No. I mean, I think that the type of fix that you're looking at up there, and just based on my, you know, my, my visit up there earlier this summer, it's, you know, it's probably going to involve some sort of flood control uh, and, and maybe that ends up being, you know, a, a, a dam that's placed in a location uh, that that uh, or dams placed in locations that have minimal environmental impacts, but maybe ultimately provide improved uh, environmental benefits in other ways yeah. by having the ability to control flows and that sort of thing. Um, and so you're going to you're talking, you know, tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, for a new storage project, you know, I, the locals uh, up there are not going to be able to afford that on their own. They're going to need state yep. and federal assistance. You got a way better chance of getting uh, that assistance if if uh, folks in Congress or the agencies, you know, get a, a request and it's got you know the uh, uh, logos of whatever ten or twenty local organizations of diverse interests. Uh, that makes their jobs easier <laughs> yeah. so they don't have to pick and choose. So, yeah, uh, you know, as far as getting funding goes, having that, that coalition like that is huge. And the Yakima guys, that's why they have so many mil millions and millions of dollars coming in is because they they have a, an alliance between conservation groups, tribes, irrigators and, and uh, state and federal agencies. Dan Keffin, the executive director of the Family Farm Alliance based down in Northern California, but doing stuff uh, with family farms across the West and across the country uh, is with us right now here on The Farming Show on KGMI. I'm Dylan Honkoop with Whatcom Family Farmers and Save Family Farming talking about the water 
crisis, the water management crisis, not the water shortage crisis, because as we know, there's too much water at some times here <laughs> and not enough at others. You know, you, you touch on the environmental benefits of doing something, minimizing the environmental negatives or impacts and maximizing the benefits. That, that's what I've been asking with this concept of, of storing water um, and some kind of water retention facility, whatever you want to call it, or, or multiple or, or using whatever strategy is workable. If you're not supporting that, why aren't you supporting the fish? I think that is, is a question that needs to be asked. I know that's exactly, you know, 180 degrees from the way a lot of people think about those kinds of projects. But right. I, I think the truth could be, and I, and I really do, do think it needs to be studied and looked at to, to find the facts. But the, the thing that I'm seeing here is, you know, if we don't do that, it could be far more harmful for fish and their survival and the recovery of endangered species here than if we don't. Yeah. So, I mean, that's if you were to go forward with a project like that, and especially if you have federal dollars, you'd have to do, you know, compliance with the National Environmental Policy Act, NEPA. And, and you're, you're required to assess all those, you know, potential stressors uh, to wildlife in particular. Um, you know, I when I first started my career out, I worked in the Portland area and we did lots of small uh, storage projects for berry farmers in the area outside of Portland and mm. uh, Hood River, that area. And, um, you know, the big concern that some conservation groups have is uh, it relates to the fact that dams built back in the 30s, 40s and 50s didn't have these environmental um, regulations in place. And, and, and some of them were situated in places that just completely shut off um, access to historic habitat, right. especially for anadromous fish like salmon. And, um, and so, um, you know, so of course, if you're going to, you, you gotta, you gotta assess that you gotta assess, okay, if we put a, a project here on, on river mile X, what is that going to do as far as, uh, um, eliminating, uh, habitat, but also, you know, if you got a new reservoir and a dam in, in place, what is that going to do during times of, of uh, low flow when you might be able to release water that benefits fish trying to migrate downstream? Yeah, and that, uh, that is habitat, too, as, right. as the salmon folks talk about. You know, not having enough water is a habitat problem. They also consider Absolutely. it a pollution problem because then the water that is left, which isn't enough, gets too warm. So, yeah. <laughs> It's. I absolutely agree. That's what needs to be done. We need to look at both sides. And this is what I've been saying for a year or two now. We cannot rule out one or the other. We can't say, well, this is the way to go. This isn't the way to go. Let's keep everything on the table and actually get those facts before we decide yeah. To, 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 you know, dismiss something out of hand, which some people seem to want to do. Yeah, yeah. You can't just be pre-decisional on this. So, um, I mean, and there's other benefits, too. I mean, the reservoir that you have behind the new uh, embankment or the new storage project, there's going to be wetland habitat along the fringe of that. That's going to provide other types of benefits. Um, and then you got to weigh it, too, against, uh, say, you don't do anything at all. What kind of uh, uh, damage is, is occurring to the environment when you have those huge floods yeah. that are, are, are overspilling banks and, and maybe bringing contaminants in, into the system? Uh, obviously, storage, well-designed storage, is going to going to mitigate some of that too. So you got to kind of look at it, look at all the the, the positives exactly. and the negatives, exactly. which which 
you know, I, I, I think that the critics of dams point back to the fact that these dams are in place right now have been so damaging. Well, you couldn't do those dams now, uh, I don't think, with, with the current environmental laws. No, and, we, uh, and fact, we wouldn't. I mean, they, yeah. they need to include mitigation for some of these. You know, like you said, a, a dam from the 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. You know, some, some people think a dam is a dam is a dam. Well, no, they're not the same thing now no. as they used to be. No, absolutely not. So, you know, my board president uh, is a rancher in Wyoming, and he uh, he owns uh, land right on the headwaters of the Colorado River. It's a tributary to the Yampa River, which drains to the Green River. And um, they're actually, you know, he's working with conservation groups, with bird groups and with fish groups to site storage. It's high enough up in the watershed that they know it wouldn't impact, you know, historic habitat. And they're able to capture snowmelt and, and then use that water for irrigation purposes, but also to as downstream uh, supplemental flows that benefit um, a trout. And and then plus there's benefits uh, to the wetlands that are created in the farms and the wetlands uh, around the, the lake for um, migrating waterfowl. So See, there, he's there, working with conservation yeah. groups on those projects. And, and that's what we need to be doing here. And I, I want to give some encouragement to people who recognize, and I talk with a lot of people who recognize, this is one of the biggest things that we need slash should like could do here to solve these, these issues. But so many of those people that I talk to see that, but then say, it's never going to happen. You know that they're not yeah. going to allow that. There's all these reasons why they would say no. And, you know, it, not that it, it's not a big hill to climb, but it is within the realm of possibility. And people are doing it elsewhere. And there is money for it. Yeah. Well, so in my mind, uh, things are changing. The public perception, the political perception, the new storage projects is changing. And, and, and it's like when I was up there to see uh, all you folks in Whatcom County, I talked about this. Um, you know, the fact that uh, in, in 2015, Congress passed legislation that to fund uh, the construction of new storage projects throughout the West, primarily in California. Um, and, and then we also got this bipartisan infrastructure bill. Uh, that was signed into law last year that has two, at least two programs that you could build dams with, mm -hmm. including a brand new small storage uh, program uh, administered by the Bureau of Reclamation. Uh, you couldn't have even talked about that maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? Uh, our organization and others have been pounding that drum long enough. And what's happening in the West with climate change and just changing climate and all the new demands on water um, people are recognizing storage has to be an option to look yeah. at. You, you just can't, I, you can't blow it off. If our glaciers aren't as big as they used, that, that used to be, at least up here, our, our water storage. If they, they aren't as big as they used to be, we just don't have that storage in ice and snow as much as we used to. So we've got to uh, approach it a different way. And like you said, you know, Congress has uh, put money forward for that. They're looking at that in, in California and here in Washington State. You know, we've been following the governor and the, and the director of our department of ecology even during the drought last summer um you know uh, the department of ecology a lot of people think well they'll be the first ones to jump up and and shut down any sort of thing that would you know amount to water storage well the reality is they it was the director laura watson the director of our, our state's department of ecology who said we need to build water storage we need to yeah. build drought resiliency for the future so i've said well let's hold them to their word you know if, if that's what they're calling for they recognize that's needed let, let's 
let's get it going. And, and I think that this large perception, this kind of fatalistic uh, perception that a lot of folks have is, is actually hindering some things when everyone just thinks, well, that's never going to happen. No, it could happen. Let's get on the same page and start calling for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the sooner you start, the better. I, I do think that, um, uh, political sentiment towards these sorts of projects is changing and it's going to take a long time, you know, uh, regardless of what kind of support you have just to go through the process. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, you just, um, again, I'll, I'll, my old boss, Pat O'Toole likes to say, uh, you know, if you're not at the table, you're going to end up on the menu. Hmm. Just, you just got, you constantly got to be there pushing the issue and, and, yeah. and who knows something may, may happen. And if you got your group together, and you're just waiting for an opportunity, you're just going to have a better chance of getting something going. Uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I'm obviously a big supporter of, yeah. of, of coalitions well, and, and to get projects done. And real quick, before we run out of time, I mean, you're talking about the access to funding and support that can come from a collaborative process, people working together. The flip side of that is, and, and, you know, I've talked about this with some people I've said, Hey, you know, ultimately if you're in court, the focus is litigation. It's, it's antagonistic. Um, you aren't going to be able to get that kind of funding. And, and some people have said, well, technically, no, that's not true. I mean, you still could, but the reality is by and large, you know, practically it, it kind of really isn't going to happen if, if it's a court process that we're leading with here. Right. Well, yeah. And, and, and anytime you litigate, uh, you're involved using the courts, there's going to be winners, there's going to be losers. In a settlement, the whole idea is, you know, maybe everybody loses a little bit, but collectively everybody ends up, you know, with a win. The community ends up with a win. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. That's what we've got to do. It's also interesting. Um, the background here, we, we, we've talked about the good that came out of, of the settlement that was ultimately reached based on trust and years of work talking together between parties that had been, you know, that were diverse and had, you know, very different starting points, all realizing they had actually a lot in common and could work something out in the Yakima Basin. But the first 20, 30 years of that process is a cautionary tale of of what we were just talking about, litigation that didn't work yeah yeah and you gotta wonder um you know do all the parties wish that they had started down the settlement path you know 15 years earlier just yeah. like how much legal fees they would have saved and and how much grief uh, they could have prevented probably just with all the battles that were going on it's it's a real head scratcher to me that the state <laughs> then holds this all up as a great you know tale of success which the end of it was but the beginning certainly was the opposite of success right. it was a, almost a fail well people would say well it brought people to the table okay great but beyond that you know millions were spent on you know fighting in court that didn't achieve anything until people started working together why then is the state department of ecology wanting to start from that same failed starting point again here in whatcom county but you know we've been talking about that ad nauseum here on the program (laughs) continuing to highlight that with so many different experts and perspectives and angles on this and we just appreciate your input into what we have going on here um and and what you do all over uh, the country there with Family Farm Alliance. Dan Keppen, uh, Family Farm Alliance Executive Director with us on the show this morning. Dan, thanks for your time. We really appreciate you checking in. Thank you, Dylan. I enjoyed our time today. Thanks.